Welcome back to the Shankly Sessions, the Liverpool podcast we bring you each and every week on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Head over to YouTube, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. Audio version show are available through Spotify. And if you'd like to contact the show, you'll get us on Twitter at Session Shankly or on Facebook and Instagram, the upper tier. This is your match reaction. West Ham 3, Liverpool 2. Our viewers will be a bit shocked to see. Normally, I either do these on my own or I do them with Dino. But uh, I thought I'd bring Darren on tonight because Darren predicted this. If you go back and look at our Premier League preview and everything, Darren said there could be a big shock on the cards at West Ham and we did know it was going to be a difficult match. Thoughts, Darren? Yeah, it was a tough day at the office for you, know, wasn't it? Um, really was from start to finish. I don't think West Ham let you settle at all and kind of got at you from the first word, from the word go, you know what I mean? Um that's the type of way, you know, you know, you should have been approaching the game a couple of weeks ago at Old Trafford like, um, instead of going out and giving Liverpool all the respect in the world and and you know, allowing them to, to dictate the, t- the pace of play and stuff like that. West Ham were so dogged and they were in Liverpool's faces just every time somebody got a somebody in a in a cream coloured jersey got a touch of the ball, there was a claret and blue on top of them, you know. Um couple of big performances from West Ham, I have to say. Thought Declan Rice was super. I really did. Um, just goes about his business really quietly, but he's so, so effective. Mm. Um, he won't be there for much longer. You know, um, I don't think he'll be there past the summer. He, he, that's even if he gets through January, you know, but I, I definitely think it'll be um, in the summertime you'll see him. You'll see him head out of there um, because he's a serious big time footballer. Assuming, you know? assuming West Ham don't get top four. I think even with top four, mm. you know, there's the vultures are kind of circling, aren't they? Um, yeah, absolutely. I know, like, I'm sure Liverpool would love a player like that. I'm sure United would. I'm sure Chelsea would, you know. I'm sure any, City any would. Team, any of those big teams mm. would, would look at this kid and just mm. say, wow, he's just, he's so simple and he's so effective in everything he does. He's got a great engine. Um, it's he's very very good, you know, and and he wasn't the only one to put in a performance today as well, you know. Um, all I around, think it was all around the pitch, wasn't it? Really, all Super around it was, was outstanding. Cresswell was outstanding. Um, Cresswell is always fairly good offensively, but I thought defensively he was very good today to keep mm. kind of Salah to a mm. to a uh, to a bare minimum type thing, you know. Yeah. And I thought Dawson did very well when, when he came, came on to replace Ogbonny. Yeah. He really did because. Yeah. You know, he's not the quickest in the world and, and, and pace troubles him and stuff like that, but they were clever. They set deep enough that they didn't allow space in behind them for spe- for, for speed to, yeah. to get them caught out. You know, it's mm. again, it's David Moyes tactically making making some good choices and stuff like that, you know. And the two boys we always talk about on our regular shows, Jared Bowen and Farnells, two outstanding yeah. players today as well. Absolutely brilliant, you know. Yeah, yeah. I heard, I, I don't know where I saw it earlier on that, there was mutants that Bowen was was on the Liverpool radar. Um, you know, and and you kind of think that's a bit out of left field, and then all of a sudden you go, is it though? You know, he's a he's a very consistent performer. He scores, he assists, his work rate, he's the type of player that I think would do unbelievable under Klopp because he has that work rate, because he has that engine. And I think Klopp would give him a lot more. You know, I think you'd see him add more goals and more assists if he if he ended up at Liverpool and stuff like that. Yeah. Um but yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a tough day, definitely. Yeah, I think I think what happens with these things is, you, like with Liverpool, I find anyway. And I mean, I suppose before we get into that, let's put it out there that West Ham and Moyes 
were very, very good today and value for their win. And hats off to David Moyes. We've said it a million times on these shows. He's doing an absolutely exceptional job at West Ham. So hats off to him yeah. first before we get into anything of the frailties of Liverpool today. Yeah. West Ham were outstanding. Um, but I think I think when you look at it, I mean, we seem to slip up every time there's a door slightly open for us. So you've seen it in the Brentford game. You know, mm-hmm. you've seen it in the Brighton game and then you see it in this game where we have an opportunity to either close the gap or make up the difference. And we just fall short. We just simply fall short. I'm looking at us at the moment and I think there's there seems to be an emphasis on going out very quickly and trying to get a goal on the board very, very quickly to the point where we're sacrificing maybe some parts of our structure. You see it with Trent, you see it with Robbo. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, we tend to get away with it because Matip is so good at covering, Van Dijk is so good at covering. But there are times when, you know, you get a break there that you just can't cover, you know, the strength of a Mikel Antonio, Jared Bone, Fornells, you know. But, it, I mean, we have to talk about, first of all, I mean, let's run down through the goals, first of all. Obviously, an OG from Alison Becker, which was an absolute disaster start. Yeah, it's a clanger, isn't it? Absolutely. For for a keeper of his strength and size and stature, he should be coming out, going through those players and absolutely just putting that away. And I, I'm not sure what he was trying to do. I don't know whether he was trying to catch it or whether he was trying to fist it. I don't know what he was doing. I think he I think he got lost a little bit in what his job was because he was so tied up with Mikel Antonio. And I mean, they've put Antonio there to cause a bit of trouble. And he kind of he kind of fell for the bait. And he got involved with Antonio and he didn't really need to. I mean, that ball's inside the six-yard box. He can come and take that quite easily because at the top of its peak, he's got his arms over most lads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's poor, but I think it's more of a lack of concentration than than anything, you know? Mm. And, and early on in the game, it can be easy to happen. If you haven't maybe had a great warm-up or if something's at you a little bit, and you're just not right at it from the start, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, then we move on. Obviously, a sublime free kick. Um, from Trent Alexander-Arnold, which we know he has in his locker with a, a little sneaky assist from Mo Salah as well, you know, which was kind of cool. Um, but prior to that, we had um, something that gets my gold up, and it's not something I want to crib about, as I said, hats off to West Ham. But that tackle by Cresswell on Jordan Henderson, to me, is an all-day red, without a shadow of a doubt. He took him high at the knee, without a shadow of a doubt, and only an hour prior to that, we've seen an Everton player getting sent off for a very similar thing where he went through the ball, cut the player high at the knee and got a straight red. So there's a bit of an inconsistency there. Now, I'm not going to dwell on it, but I think if you go in with your feet that high and catch a player at the side of his knee, you're endangering the player and the rule of the law is that's a straight red. Yeah, like I I personally didn't think it was a red and I know it's very easy to say as a United fan and people go, oh, he's a United fan. He's not, you know, if it's red, I'm going to say it's red. Mm. Personally speaking, I didn't feel like it was red. I know I watched the game or I watched the game on Sky and the commentators, Redknapp and Jack Wheelchair, neither of them felt it was a red either. You know, um, it is awkward. It is clumsy. I think he gets, there's enough contact, you know, there's enough that he gets enough on the ball to, you know, I'm not saying there's not excessive force and he's in control mm-hmm. of himself, but I think it's the contact he makes with the ball which, which saves him, you know, and that's where I'm kind of going, he has, just, hate, you know what I mean? Again, I'm not being bitter about it, but I'm just not saying if you look no, at no. the consistency, if you go back and you look at the Everton game, the player who hit him high in the knee as well actually got the whole ball absolutely, and was, and, and was given a straight red. And here's the other thing we have to mention. VAR looked at both of those. Mm. So the Everton one was, was looked at by VAR. 
and they overturned the yellow and gave a red. Mm. So somebody somewhere, someone in Stockley Park was watching that game. Um, somebody else watched the Liverpool game, obviously, or maybe it was the same person, I don't know, and looked at that challenge and said, they've given the yellow. Is there anything else here? And they decided there's not enough in it for us to say it's in clear and obvious error. But I can absolutely understand how Liverpool fans will be A, annoyed with it, and mm. B, you know, misunderstand the, the inconsistencies of things. Yeah. And that's, as football fans, that's, that's what we want. You know, if, if I get a result or if I get a, you know, if I get something my way, and you get something your way next week, and they're the same. We're all right with that. But it's when, you know, when you see Holgate go for what he's gone for, and then you see, you know, you see the West Ham boy not go for what he's gone for, you know, so that's, it, it is annoying. I won't, yeah. I can't argue with that. You're talking within an hour of each other. And it was yeah. like as if, it was like as if Stockley Park was balancing itself out. Um, and, I, and I think that was a key, it was a key moment in the game as well. Because obviously if Cresswell had it went, it would have yep. been probably a very different game. Now, I know we haven't always been brilliant at breaking down 10 men, and especially a team like West Ham that's so organised, very in the vein of Chelsea under Moyes as well. So there's mm. no guarantees even against 10 men. But, that you know, in balancing things out, you know. I just well, listen, thought, you, do you want to play against 10 or 11? You want to play against 10 all day long, I think, don't you? Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I, I get it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So then we, we move into the second half, and I just think, I, I was looking at it, and it was just... I don't know what it was about it. We were just so penetrating. We were so flowing, but Jota never seemed in the game. Salah was kind of half in the game, but not in the game. Robbo, I thought, was very, very wasteful and very inconsistent. Um, Ox, I thought, played really, really well, but but tried and tried and tried. And one of the t- things I harp on about Ox as well is he's brilliant at doing three quarters. Of it. We talk about it like a Damatriori. He's brilliant at doing three quarters of it, but then when he gets to that moment when you have to lay it off or pass it or put it in, he falls yeah. He falls apart. It just goes bad for him, you know? And there's and there's a decision-making process with him there where I think a lot of the other Liverpool lads make much better decisions. I think at times it's the bad decision that, that kind of annoys Liverpool fans rather than maybe just yeah. the misplaced ball because everyone's going to misplace a pass, especially when you're trying to be penetrating yeah. like that. But it's, it's, the, it's the decision-making process, you know? I think it's the brilliance of the build-up and then the letdown of the final pass or whatever it is. You know what I mean? You're expecting it. You're expecting him to do something as brilliant as what he does. Like he can skip by two or three players and then suddenly just kick the ball into the turf and you're there. You just can't understand it. I, I was surprised at the selection of Robbo today. I thought he might have put Simicus, kept Simicus in there. Because Robbo had been struggling most of the season. I mean, that's, I was talking to Ben earlier when we were watching the game, and I said, can you tell me a game this season where Robbo has stood out that you remember? And I know at times he's he's very consistent in what he does, so it doesn't always yeah. stand out. But I can't remember a game this season where he was absolutely brilliant. And he's been struggling a lot as well, and he was taken out. And I thought Simicus against Atletico the other night, I thought he was brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant against a tough Atletico side. And I thought he had done enough to maintain a spot in this game, albeit if you wanted to bring Robbo on later on or something like that. But I thought Simicus had done enough to hold down his spot. And the reason I was thinking that as well is because his ball into the box is much better than Robbo's. His final ball in. You see, I think, I think going to West Ham, knowing how hostile it was going to be and knowing you know how difficult it was going to be, uh, especially from a set point, set piece point of view, I know Robbo's not a giant, but you know Simicus is is quite diminutive, isn't he? He's quite small, um, and and you wouldn't know whether he'd want to give up any more than what he was giving up to the West Ham boys. 
but he was very powerful the other night against Atletico Madrid. If you look at his body positioning and everything else and all, um, he was absolutely brilliant in the way he held off Atletico players to let balls go out and stuff like that. And all. So although he looks a little bit slight and he has put on a bit of size over the last five to six months as well and built himself up a little bit, he was very powerful against Atletico. And like, I just thought there was enough in him there. I, I thought there would have been enough there to actually maintain a spot and just see how it goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I thought that final ball in where Robbo has been inconsistent this season, I thought Simicus would, would deliver a much better ball into the box. And lo and behold, that's kind of what happened with Robbo. It was just inconsistent all the time, these balls in and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was a kind of a struggle. But then we go into the second half anyway. We claw back in with one all. We're going in a half time, and and you know we could have been maybe one or two more up, maybe a half time, but also could West Ham could have as well. Then we went to the second half, and um, I think why we, we had a point blank one from Sadio Mane that uh, Fabianski saved. Fabianski they also yeah. hit the crossbar, and um, which was quite even. Three. But then they get they get a break away, and Farnell scores, um, and that's two one, which which is tough as well. You know you're talking about nearly into the seventieth minute here. 20 minutes to go. So we're going to come out and ring the changes. So the changes come on. Kurt Zuma then gets a goal at the back stick, a header. Again, a very poorly defended ball that we should be dealing with and stuff like that. I don't know what was going on. It looked like Trent was ball watching it as it happened, but it looks like Allison's position as well was poor. Um, what was your thinking on the Zuma goal? Yeah, so I suppose from a keeper's point of view, like the ball drops inside a six-yard box. So there is a train of thought which says anything inside a six-yard box is his, um, you know. But I also thought Trent was really poor for it. He's outside, he's outside the width of the post. I feel like if he gets back inside the width of the post, maybe maybe he, he cuts off the ball, you know yeah. what I mean? Or maybe mm. even he makes it more difficult that, mm. that Zuma has to try and put it somewhere else. Now, listen. It's a great header. He takes it really, really well. Yeah. He's a big guy. You know, it's an athletic jump. He's put it in a good spot and stuff like that. The yeah. ball in was excellent. But listen, there's there's two or three of them there that you can look at and say, you know what, lads, you can cover yourself in glory here. And I thought, and listen, you know, you know, my thinking on Alexander Arnold, I think offensively he's outstanding. I think look at the free kick, you know, if anybody else in the world scores that, you're going, wow, this is just right out of the top drawer. But I think he's he's causing himself problems and, and causing Liverpool big problems going back towards his own goal you know there was he misjudged a flight in one of the balls as well and um, I think Ben Rama took it in a stride and popped the ball across to to um, Bowen I think it might have been and, and it was only Van Dyke came in with a with a really late uh, block because yeah. otherwise that could have been 2-1 as well yeah. and that was in the first half mm. just just coming up to half time actually it was about 49 minutes gone at that stage um, and like I, I completely understand that this is how Klopp wants them to play you know but I, I don't imagine he wants or he's looking for Trent to be that fragile and frail in his position and sense and you know getting caught out so often like you guys absolutely tore us apart at Old Trafford mm. but any kind of play we got and and the and the play we had very early on where Bruno missed the sitter came down that left hand side again mm. and I think David Moyes looked at that left hand side you know and said listen we've a way into this game and the way we have into this game is 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 true Trent you know um and I think teams and managers and very good managers have now started to go 
you know what, this kid's a super, super footballer, but he maybe doesn't just dot all the I's and cross all the T's when he's defending. And maybe that's a way we can get in. You know, that diagonal ball can really hurt him at times, you know? Yeah, and it, it's so difficult to go in on him, isn't it, really? Because if you look at this game here, he's after scoring a world-class free kick and he's also mm-hmm. after getting an assist for the Origi goal. And yet you yeah. still have to look at it. And as you said, and you always break it down really, really well. As you said, he's absolutely world-class offensively, but defensively, there's a lot of questions there. And as you said, yeah. it might be something It might be something in the way Klopp wants them to play or something like that. But I, I find at times, in, in the offensive play that he gives us, Van Dijk and Matip and players like that are having to do a hell of a lot of work for him. Yes, um, and, and even And even at times you've seen Ox having to track back and cover for him and stuff like that and all. And I just think and, and listen, if if that's if that's part of the if that's part of the tactic that, that the defensive midfielder sits mm. and when he goes down the right hand side, the defensive midfielder slides into that right back position in. to give you a cover, that's fine. No problem yeah. at all. Or if he drops in into the back four and Matip mm. slides across, no problem at all. But it it just doesn't more, seem more to be often, happening more often than not, fluidity. that's not the case. Yeah, uh, more often than not, you get that yeah, big gap on that side and there's no one dropping into that position. Because you have Fabinho, Fabinho is playing quite central, <laughs> and that's where I suppose with with the likes of um, Robertson, that maybe he's looking at Simakas and going, you know what, Simakas is a very offensive player, and and maybe a little bit too similar to uh, Alexander Arnold in a sense that he wants to bomb on, he wants to go boy that last one, he wants to get balls into the box and stuff like that. Whereas if if you've got two wing backs or, or, or full backs that are that are so offensive like that that it can create, you know, not only an imbalance on one side, but then that can pass across to the opposite side as well. And all of a sudden your two centre backs are overran. Mm-hmm. And against that West Ham team, as you saw from the second goal, you didn't have that kind of space to give, you know. Um like there was there wasn't a whole lot of room down the centre of the pitch, but because they timed everything so well and this and the pace they did in it, they were able to pick holes in that back four, you know. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I just think it's always difficult with Trent, you know what I mean? Because, like, he's the yeah. scouser in our team. He's much loved. He is an outstanding footballer. There's no doubt about it. But it's just in those clutch moments. It, it's like as if he's either switched off or his awareness isn't there. Or because he's thinking so offensively all the time, the defensive thoughts just don't come yeah. into his mind at times. As you said, if he had been just inside the post there, he would have been able to cut that out, which was basically the softest header Kurzuma will ever score. You know? um, but I just, think, um, I just think on the day, I just think we were a little bit... I, I think we were kind of um, impatient. Impatient in our way of doing things. And everything seemed to be a rush. Like I said to Ben, even watching the game, I couldn't believe how quick the first 45 minutes went in. It just seemed to go by in a blast. And it kind of felt like it was the way we were playing. Now, I know we're trying to play a lot quicker and we're trying to play a press game, but we're also trying to play a counter-attack game as well at the same time, nearly. You know what I mean? And I think because West Ham are so organised with Moyes, what happens is, again, you're seeing Salah, he didn't get a whole lot of room. At times, there was little touches and stuff like that, and he showed some flashes of the stuff that he's been doing and stuff like that. But I, I just think because they're so well organised, I think sometimes a more patient build-up where you have to draw them out, where you play it around and you force them to come out and open up the spaces yeah. to then go when it's ready and it's there, I think it was, would yield a better result, you know? It was far too congested along that 18-yard line mm. for, you know, 
to see the likes of Salah maybe go by someone, drop his shoulder, come inside, go outside. You know, it was it was jam packed across that. Um, and, and and yeah, I do feel like you know as well that that at times West Ham are happy enough to sit off and just say, well, we're gonna give you know if Liverpool are gonna play in the counter attack, they're gonna play in the press. We're gonna give them a certain amount of space up to a point, you know, and and, and if we win it back, we're gonna the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna get it to Declan Rice. You know, he's going to be our focal point in the middle there and he's going to put balls down the channels. He's going to put balls down the middle or they're going to drive at the Liverpool back four because I found that they carry the ball quite a lot rather than yeah. playing balls into spaces and mm. maybe Van Dijk and Matip Hoover and up very quickly and stuff like that. They ran into the mm. space, which then meant Liverpool had to step backwards. And as you go backwards like that, it actually creates a bit more space around you yeah. because you become kind of a moving target, you know? Mm. Um so I thought they, tactically it was it was very good from West Ham and, and from David Moyes, you know. Yeah, he had that, he had definitely studied definitely the Brighton game without a shadow of a doubt, and definitely yeah. the United game. But I just I just thought with us having nearly 70% possession, I think we could be way cleverer in the way we do it. Like sometimes we come up against these teams, the likes of the Brightons and the likes of the Burnleys and, and the West Ham's, who are actually West Ham's at a different level, really. But we come up against those teams sometimes and they do do that block of two fours. And we mm-hmm. just get impatient when things don't come off. And then it's gung ho, gung ho, gung ho, because we're trying to we're trying to put that score line up there on the board. But I just I just noticed today, even like even in the build-up to the goal, let's say, that we gave away, you know what I mean? The, the, the first goal, the OG after four minutes. Even in those first four minutes, we were, we were, you know, there was there was seemed to be this massive rush to get a score on the board. Whereas I think when yeah, you're going up against no, a guy... go ahead. There was no time, there was no settling in period yeah. where we get a touch of the ball, we knock it square, we keep it, mm. you know, we find our shape, we find our formation and we find our rhythm. It, it is very, very, not hurried, but impatient at times. Yeah. And I suppose when, when the game went 3-1, my next thought was, this next goal is the big one. Because mm. either West Ham kill the game off a of 4-1, mm. or Liverpool score, and we've got this ending where they're just throwing everything at it. You know? Um, yeah. and, and, and because Liverpool were so aggressive with trying to get that, that fifth goal, you know, it, it did leave them short and loose at the back at times and they were a little bit ragged and you know you wouldn't have been surprised to see West Ham get the fourth because I think that's something that we maybe saw last season in, in the Villa game mm. you know um, was they, they tried so hard to get back into the game and they pushed and pushed and probed and probed Absolute explosion. but just kept getting just just kept getting picked off because yeah. you know the other team had had players that were very comfortable at doing certain things yeah. um, you know yeah, I just feel when you're up against a team as organised as West Ham, I think sometimes you have to turn around and take your time for the first five or ten minutes, figure out what they're exactly trying to do, and then give yeah. the gaffer a bit of an information. Let Klopp have a look and see what's unfolding in front of him before you go 1-0 down, you know what I mean? And try and think a way around this, try and figure out, okay, what's Moisey doing here? This is how we need to counteract this. What do we need to do? Do we need to have a target man up there? What what else is happening? Where is where is the blocks? Do we need to tell Trent maybe sit a little bit more? Don't go gung ho. This kind of thing, you know, and try and evolve into the game a little bit rather than just going right. Boom! We want to put a goal on the board here, and we sacrifice this, that, and the other to do it, you know. And then of course, at the end, towards the end, there, Mane had that great chance with the header, and he yeah. Yeah, at his level, you have to put that away to get the draw, don't you? It's a tough chance, and I think it's only tough because of the way he goes at it with the head. 
yeah. I think he can volley that. I think he can maybe cushion volley it back into the far corner where it's come from, that type of thing. Yeah. You know, but I do also think that, that like you said there, there's, I know, you know, Bobby wasn't playing today and, and maybe, you know, you missed that focal point that, you know, if, if Firmino plays there for me, he ends up up against the two centre-backs of Bonga and, or um, uh, Zuma and, and Dawson, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden the boys then are kept busy, you know, whereas, I think when, when you've got three players like Jota, Mane and Salah, they're so similar that, that I think, you know, they're, they're all at times very happy to drop off and come and get the ball and maybe go and face a defender up. Whereas, you know, they're not going to park themselves up on that 18-yard line and start backing into like two six-foot-three, six-foot-four guys and hold the ball up and look for that little pass or ball around the corner, you know. And I think something that was mentioned, I think it was Jack Wiltshire actually after the game, said he's surprised that that he and Liverpool fans haven't seen a little more of Divock Origi, um, you know, because he, he's popped up with some vital goal for you guys. Mm. He's, I think I've seen him play a League Cup game, you know, couple of months ago when he was comfortably the best player he's had in the pitch. Yeah. Um, you know, so he, he has put in some good performances and he has scored some vital goals. But I just think when it gets to that to those big games, Klopp doesn't really trust him enough to put him into the yeah, you know he, he offers you something different. And and the thing about it is when you're looking at that game evolved today, you can see that the Olga Jota, he's not really in the game and he's been taken out of the game. So he's not really having an impact. But it shouldn't take you till 76 minutes to realise that. You should be giving Origi more time then and, and realise, listen, we need to put a big lad in there who's going to put himself about with these guys. And I just Absolutely. sometimes that's what I question at times. Sometimes the timing of Klopp's substitutions. And I think you hit something on the nail, nail on the head there, whereas it's whether he has the confidence in these guys. But I mean, if you don't put yeah. them in, how are you going to know? What's it? Look, if he's, if he's on the bench, he's on the bench. If you're not, if you're not confident in him, what's he doing on the bench? You know? And I mean, and I mean, I don't think it's necessary that, like, you know, as you said, things weren't working. Mm. It's different if it looked like maybe as we're getting a sniff or maybe things were, you know, going in a better, in a, in a more positive direction. But you were being unlucky or blah, blah, blah. You weren't really, you know, and, mm. and Jota was very, very anonymous for me. Yeah, very cool. Um, so, I mean, even at halftime, when yeah. that game's 1-1, you, you, you've got two choices. So mm. you go out with the status quo and you see how it goes. Or you make that positive move at halftime. You say, you know, Divock, I want you to come on. I want you to keep them two centre-backs busy, you mm. know, which should free up a little bit of space on either side for Mao or for Sadio because all of a sudden they don't have that centre-back coming out to help the full-back, mm. you know. And, or, they're, and they're trying to deal with this big guy in the middle there and they know don't I mean? know how to handle him because he's awkward as hell. He's awkward and he's airily he's much better than, than Jota and stuff like that as well, you know. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, you know, if I was a Liverpool fan, I just certainly wanted to see him a bit earlier. But listen, we, we've talked about some of the decisions that have been been made by by managers. You know, obviously, you know, you'd have a, another tough day at the office yesterday. And like, I've never seen a game of football where the biggest cheer in 90 minutes was the bringing on of a football player. You know, like mm. the biggest cheer in Old Trafford yesterday when Donny came on. Like, that's embarrassing. You know, and, 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 and but Solskjaer is gone and he's done that because of his lack of confidence in him. I feel like at times Klopp maybe doesn't have the confidence in the likes of Minamino and Origi and stuff like that. Too. Yeah, it's you know it's, it's interesting you say that because I'm not even sure. Like like with, with Klopp, I think it's a confidence thing, but yet like he played him against AC Milan in the first game of the Champions League, 
and he played him in the he plays him in the Carabao Cup. So there must be a certain level of confidence in him. I think when you talk about Solskjaer and Donny van der Beek, I don't think it's a confidence thing. I think Solskjaer is just as I did. I didn't want this guy. He wasn't my signing, so fuck him. He can stay on the bench. And that's what I think it is with Solskjaer. I think it's slightly different, you know? Maybe, but I, I think, you know, I think at times it's, especially on days like we've had recently, where maybe he feels like he's getting a bit closer to the edge of that cliff. He only seems to want to put his trust in certain players because maybe they're Detroit and tested, you know, whereas mm. maybe guys along the way didn't always do Detroit and tested and that's where they got results from. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it was the change that they made. Mm. I feel like managers, you know, certain managers could probably not gamble, but certainly calculate things a little bit differently and, and maybe roll the dice a little bit better at times, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely think with Dave Ocarigia, and I've said it before, with Dave Ocarigia, I think if you give him more time and you make him feel more part of the squad and that he is part of the process and stuff like that, I think you'll see a much better Dave Ocarigia and we'll get a much better return of him. I think when you're throwing him in like this, if you're throwing him in like this, you're telling him you're not confident in him. How would you expect him to be confident in himself going out on the pitch? And I mean, in times when he's been thrown in, he has scored clutch goals. The one against Barcelona, the ones yeah. against Newcastle, the ones against Everton. You know, yeah. the one he scored today, he took the goal very, very well. You know what I mean? Took I'm just very, very well. If he had a half yeah. an hour, you know what I mean? It could be a very different game. And yeah, I think absolutely. that's something that Klopp needs to look at, you know? Yeah. But um, listen... Pleasure having you on, kind of as a neutral. Um, but I yeah. thought I'd bring you on because I know you called it. So it's good to have you on. You called a good few results this weekend, in fairness. I called um, a couple. But this has been your West Ham versus Liverpool match reaction on the Dynamo Podcast Network from the Shankly Sessions. Head over to YouTube, as always. Like, subscribe, share, smash it out of the park. If you want audio versions of the show, again, I don't know why you would with these two handsome bastards on it. Um, you'll get it on Spotify. And if you want to contact the show, of course, drop your comments into the episode. How did you feel about the game today? Another opportunity missed from the Reds. Um, you can also get us on at Session Shankly on Twitter. And of course, you'll get us on Facebook and Instagram, the upper tier. Till next time, my friend. Thanks very much for that.